Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, it's Dan Lobby and welcome to our Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are talking secondary today, so this is two parts. First off, Mary Kay Ellis and I are going to talk about the Browns secondary and how they can kind of build that cornerback room now that we have a little bit of clarity on Greedy Williams' status for 2021. And then in the second half of the pod, you're going to hear Mary Kay's interview with Greedy Williams, which of course led to the story she put up last week. If you didn't read it, head to cleveland.com slash Browns and check that story out. But you're going to get to hear the interview that built that story here in the second half of the podcast. Okay, it is a Monday. Here is our Orange and Brown Talk pod. Be the better greedy. I took it off to give me time, you know, just to have more knowledge of the game and, you know, just sit down and, you know, just, like I said, watching the TV, just calling out the coverage, reading the route, things like that, you know, that gave me an upper hand. So it went all bad. You know, I was sitting down, you know, just taking notes and, you know, doing what I do, you know, getting ready for 2021 and, you know, shock the world. And away we go here on our Monday podcast. The Greedy Williams interview will come up after the break. So here in the first part, we're going to talk about the secondary, kind of building that cornerback room a little bit in that safety room. First of all, though, Mary Kay, your interview with Greedy, you put the story up last week at cleveland.com slash Browns. And then, like I said, everybody's going to hear that interview in the second half of this pod. I'm just curious what you came away with or what, what kind of came away for you when, after you talked to Greedy. Well, first of all, I was trying to get Greedy uh, to talk throughout last season, knowing that he was struggling with a lot of different things, including people questioning his heart, questioning whether or not he really had an injury and all those kinds of things. So I really wanted to get him. And I got to know him a little bit uh, when he kind of slid in the draft. I did uh, a story right after that about how, uh, you know, how difficult that was for him in that day. And uh, I think that story kind of stuck with him and he really kind of appreciated that. So therefore we had a little bit of a, of a history and he was willing to do this. So I was very, very grateful about that. I was actually very surprised uh, when I heard back that he was willing to do this. I was really, really surprised because especially at this time of year, as you guys know, it's really hard to get a hold of, of players. Uh, so this was just one of those things that, uh, you have to be very grateful for when, when it actually comes through. And then on top of that, you have to hope that they're willing to open up. And he was willing to tell and share his story. So once again, very happy about that. But I think the thing that uh, one of the biggest takeaways was just how 
kind of hurtful that was for him uh, to be fighting off, you know, kind of depression, fighting off the stress of this shoulder that just wasn't firing. Every two weeks he's going in, getting these needles put in there and the muscle just wasn't firing. And then to have people questioning whether or not this was actually a real injury. And did he have heart? Did he really want to have to play football anymore? And it was just so weird because I was getting those kinds of questions. People were emailing me that every week, you know, he doesn't really want to play. He doesn't want this. So I can only imagine how hard it must have been for him. And I think it was almost cathartic for him to have an opportunity to share his story and to let people know what this first six months was like for him. And here's the cool thing about it. The day after I interviewed him, he was going in for that moment of truth to get those needles put back in the shoulder, another one of those EMG tests to see if the muscle would fire for the first time. And it did. The muscle fired and he was so excited about it. As you guys saw, uh, he, you know, he tweeted, you know, greedy's back. And uh, I was kind of hoping that would happen after I wrote my story. But, <laughs> but anyways, um, so good for him. Good for the Browns. He's just one of those kind of guys that you really pull for because uh, not only is he a great player, but he's a really good guy. And of course, he told you too that you know he already has a young daughter and he's going to have a son. I think he said due in July, if if I heard that right in the interview. And it's it's just a reminder that like you know these guys when they get this opportunity in the NFL, they're doing it for more than themselves. They're doing it to support family back home. In his case, doing it to support family that you know the growing family that he's got. Uh, you, you know, if if you're one of those people on social media ready to fire off that tweet and and tag an athlete in it. You know, just just remember, these are real people and it's really hard when you go into that season. And I thought it was interesting when he said to you, and, and again, if you haven't read the story, you'll hear this. He, he talks about going back there with Grant Delpit into the training room and he thought, OK, I'll just be back out there tomorrow. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take care of Grant here because Grant kind of knew what the problem was. And then we didn't see him again on the football field. So it had to be a very difficult year for him. And I think you could tell in listening to that. So everybody will get to hear that here in the second half. Ellis, we're going to talk about that secondary. Now we're going to talk about the corners and the safeties and how the Browns can approach this thing. Now that we have a little clarity on greedy Williams. So when you look at this cornerback position, how do you kind of, how do you judge it? And how do you judge it now that we know that greedy will at least be a part of it? It's a really tough evaluation. It, we know that Grudy will now be a part of it, but then that also just opens the door to more unknowns, right? I mean, Mary Kay did an excellent job both humanizing the story and providing a lot of just information and data about Greedy's availability. I found it extremely interesting that he had never missed a game up until essentially hit the pros. And now he, you know, has been just struggling to get on the field. Uh, to me, that just shows how, um, short and fragile this game is we think of the carnage behind it all and something as simple as a as a hit in the wrong spot can kill a nerve for you and I think about the the part in the story where Mary Kay um, got greedy to reveal that he wanted to play with one arm and tackle with one arm and then the doctor's like hey listen this this could be for your life you know your life is bigger than this game and for all those reasons it's why it, it really just though we gain more information and clarity it doesn't provide a whole lot of answers like greedy deserves and, and should be out there as the number two corner. That's probably not in question, but it's about his performance on the field. Right. And a front office, a smart one, which the the Browns have and Andrew Barry and 
everyone under him has contingency plans built in, right? If this fails, what do we do? And the Browns really for the past two years, at least, you know, since I've gotten here and can speak to it, have had injury problems riddle their, their DB room. So despite the, some changes uh, in front office and coaching staff, this is something that is reoccurring. So when the number two problem gets solved as in greedy being in that place and seeing how he performs, you got to just give him an opportunity and see what he can do. Right. Like you got to find out what that draft pick can be. And then that doesn't mention, I, you know, I just spent three minutes talking about one corner there and we haven't gotten to the number two corner, a number four corner, you know, a slot and a guy where Terrence Mitchell was, was, was a year ago. Then he ended up becoming number two corner, Kevin Johnson in and out of the lineup, MJ Stewart. It is a room in flux, but at the same time, a room not that far away from, being average, if not above average, you know, it, it's just, it, it, it's fascinating to me. And a lot is going to depend on how this breaks in, in free agency and how they handle their in-house talent. But it is the first step in a long road to figuring out what Greedy Williams is and what that nor- number two corner spot is. And once you get that solidified, then it's a trickle down effect, right? Three and four take care of themselves. And then before you know it, perhaps the Browns have a, have a above average secondary. We're going to get, this is probably one of the most interesting positions because it could go, so many different ways it could go status quo where they bring guys back and just make a few adjustments here and there, or they could just go big, right? They could make a big trade. They could sign a, a, you know, there aren't a ton of huge, huge names out there in free agency, unless you're going after a guy like a Richard Sherman. Uh, You know, I saw Justin Simmons. That's obviously safety just got franchised as we're recording this on Friday, but they could go big at that position or they could go status quo. Mary Kay, when, when you kind of look at it, do you, which way do you think they're leaning right now? Well, the first thing that I, that I think we need to discuss, and, and really Ellis hit upon this, is uh, the truth of the matter is they cannot 100% put all their eggs in that Greedy Williams basket as being the starting cornerback for the 16 games of 2021. He told me right now he is 60%, and that's great. I'm so happy for him that the muscle fire. So he's 60% right now. The other thing he said that I thought was interesting is that doctors told him it will get to 85% or 95%. It's not coming back to 100%. That is significant. Then uh, he also mentioned that doctors did tell him, you know, you take a hit on this the wrong way again, and you could re-injure it at some point. Now, once it's fully healed, I don't think that is going to be an issue as much as it would have been obviously last year when he was trying to play with one arm. But, uh, but still, I think they need to have contingency plans and good ones. So therefore, I think you really do have to look at drafting or signing or trading for another starting cornerback. Now, one of the things that you can do that seems to me to be fairly easy and seamless would be to re-sign Terrence Mitchell, either before he hits the market or after he hits the market on March 17th. So once the salary cap is set, which should be fairly soon, I think they'll make an offer, some kind of an offer to Terrence Mitchell. At that point, then he decides, does he wanna take that offer and stay here where he knows he might be a starting cornerback or go out and test the market and see if he can get more money. So that's one of the first things that they should do. Then I think they'll re-sign Kevin Johnson. I really do. I think they'll re-sign Kevin. Again, it's the same thing. Will they re-sign him? Before he hits the market or after, not really sure, but I know that they would like to have him back. Uh, then, uh, then I think you do have to start looking around for cornerbacks uh, in the draft or in free agency. As you mentioned, Richard Sherman. What I don't think that they would do 
is sign an older high price guy like that. There are certain free agents that you can sign when they are on the back nine of their career and give them a bunch of money. Um, but if you have to have a whole lot of speed, that might not be one of the positions where you can sign a 32 year old as easily as you can, you know, somebody that's not going to have to just haul ass downfield. Right. I mean, it's just the reality of the situation, but there are a few others. Now, Patrick Peterson is another one uh, that is going to be coming available uh, kind of in the sort of the same situation though. So I don't know if they would be looking for some of these sort of older cornerbacks, uh, and, and we don't know for sure yet actually who's going to be available. Uh, the franchise tag deadline is Tuesday. So we'll have a better idea then. But I think they will look at some of these guys in free agency, maybe the younger ones. Um, and then in the draft, same thing in the draft. But these are some of the things that they have to do. They cannot just go into the situation thinking we've got our two cornerbacks. Even the other cornerback, Denzel Ward, misses an average of four games a season. So you have to have good backup plans. So Ellis, how are you attacking this room then? Yeah, it's a great question. And Mary Kay just laid out a lot of good solutions and alternatives to the greedy Williams conundrum. When we survey this free agent class, there's not a lot of tier one top talent guys, right? I could see someone like Richard Sherman, as Mary Kay is alluding to, getting slightly overpaid um, for name Patrick Peterson, too. And I just have a gut feeling sort of, again, in line with Mary Kay, that you know, corner is a young man's game. It, it just is. And it this front office seems like the one, as I tend to lean towards, that has more interest in drafting, building eternal, internally and cultivating that talent. But if they are looking for a free agent corner, a lot like last year, there are a lot of slot options they can bring in. Uh, Desmond King comes to mind. He was a name that was floated around uh, around the trade deadline and ended up uh, in Tennessee. And that didn't really go that well, much like a lot of Tennessee's defense this year. But he's still a guy who, what, in like 2018, had one of the better PFF grades and could help the slot here, which the Browns were abysmal against the slot, by the way, I want to say like 29th um, against the slot, which makes a lot of sense. You think of guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, the way the Ravens attack the middle of the field, they just were exploited all year. Um, Mike Hilton of the, the Steelers come to mind. He's a, an aggressive physical guy uh, can blitz off the edge. You could be making your opponent weaker by stealing him. Uh, and then uh, Troy King, I believe of the Rams, just some names that have bopped around in my head. Like, like I, don't know anything have no idea but just saying fit wise that could make a lot of sense because that slot corner is a position they have to get figured out because Kevin Johnson missed games too and whether it was uh, due to things in his control or not his availability uh, really fell in line with with Denzel's uh, in a way and it, it's just there's too many question marks so I, I think that this would this front office will be aggressive in the fact that they'll add talent uh, through the draft and in the middle class of a free agency because there's just too many question marks and you can never be too sure. And having talent at that spot as last year showed is a big need for them. So here's what I would do, or here's kind of what I would expect barring some bait. Look, if they make a big trade and I, I don't think a trade is off the table at all. We've, we've been over that here on the pod. And I, you know, I asked Andrew about that when we talked to him earlier this week, I think he's going to be aggressive in the trade market. If something is there, if they trade for a guy like a Marshawn Lattimore, that tells you how they feel about, you know, Greedy Williams and what he can do this year. So we'll kind of figure that out pretty quickly, I think, based on what they do 
going into the go ahead, Ellis. Yeah, Dan, can I ask you something? Because I, I like your line of yeah. thinking here. Like if they make a trade for a defensive guy, like never say never, but I would lean towards cornerback what in an outside corner would be the one spot they would address that, right? Like you can find free agent ed rushers, uh linebackers, really not anything you're targeting. And this is a decent free agent safety class. If they got in the trade market, you would probably put corner number one as the spot they they would target just because of the market and the inefficiencies which you've brought up before to Andrew yeah I, th- I think so because yeah. to me I mean Mary Kay we talked about this was it earlier this week after JJ Watt signed there's still a lot of edge rushers out right. there and there's going to be value in free agency if they want to add an edge rusher but corner I mean Ellis you mentioned some names and, and there were a couple that I was going to bring up Desmond King uh, you know, is, is a guy that PFF linked to the Browns in one of their posts. Troy Hill's a guy you mentioned who can play inside and outside. Maybe you bring back Kevin Johnson. There aren't a lot of names that impress me, like that, that just blow me away. There's guys right. that are good and useful players, Mike Hilton, Brian Poole. But yeah, if you're looking to make a splash, you're almost going to have to do it in the trade market. Completely what, what, agree. What do you guys think about Marshawn Lattimore? I, I addressed this in a, in a Hey Mary Kay on Sunday. Uh, and kind of looked into the, to the notion of that. And there are economic considerations and a few other things, but what do you got? What would you guys think of a, of a Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore pairing? It would be, it would be the all Northeast Ohio cornerback room. <laughs> Listen, if you can get a talent like Marshawn Lattimore, I, I just don't know what it's going to cost. Right? I mean, can you, you're going to have to give up more than say one of your extra third round picks. I would imagine New Orleans, New Orleans would want a first for that. I, I don't know, though. Maybe I'm wrong. I, but I, th- I think it would cost you. But I would certainly look into it if he was actually available. And I'm not sure. The Saints have a lot of decisions to make, and I'm not sure if giving up a young corner is going to be one of those decisions. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. I'm sure they want to keep him. Um, but they are in cap hell. They really are. They, they've got uh, some big decisions that they have to make. And, uh, you know, so he's obviously one that, that people are looking to. The thing with him is that, that he is heading into, I think it's his option year. And um, after that, then you have to look at paying him a bunch of money. A bunch and of money. That, you know, that's <laughs> where you start to get into a market value of like $16 million a year, $17 million a year. And that is also the stratosphere uh, in which you will be with Denzel Ward. So you'd have to be asking yourself if you can shell out that kind of dough for two cornerbacks to have, you know, whatever, 33, $34 million tied up in those two starting cornerbacks. Ideally, you don't want that. You know, ideally, you would not want to have to be in that position. So if they can find one cheaper than that, uh, then and maybe it's greedy. Let's hope it's greedy, right? Let's hope for his sake and for the Browns' sake uh, that it's him because, like I said, he's been through hell and he deserves to, to come back and have a really nice career. Uh, but in the event that it's not, I just don't know that you want to spend that much money on your second cornerback. Yeah, it, it all comes down to price both at the trade and then, as you said, Mary Kay, when it comes to re-signing, we're talking contracts. And that's a ton of money to have tied up at corner uh, in a position that is tends to be – fluid and tough to maintain success at like we tend to see pff guys go from 80 seasons down to 64 and there's just not a a, a real explanation unless you're elite elite and consistent like that that upper middle class turns into lower middle class um in the number two cornerback market i will say though that marshall landmore's had some really exciting 
electric games against guys like Mike Evans, uh, seeing him twice a year. So the, the tape backs that up. Uh, it, just the number of what you're really allocating to that position to m- perhaps put a bow on the, the whole trade conversation in Lattimore. And perhaps the Saints are a good team to use an example here, but just talking in a vacuum, the way the trade market would work for the Browns and Mary Kay may be able to speak. Well, she would be able to speak a lot uh, better to this than I can, but finding a team that is tight end needy, right? A team that is just in a spot, a pinch where they need a tight end. And you could perhaps pair David and Joku with one or two of those extra picks to, to lessen the wanting the first, like Dan said, and perhaps that's how you get a corner here. It, it would take some, some acrobatic work and, and some front office moves and some savviness uh, and just some, uh, some overall, you know, you need two to tangle there. Right. So it's a lot of things need to happen. Now you got to then solve your tight end room. So the dominoes <laughs> start really and, and rippling effect in that way, but that's the name of the game in the front office and they've got options, but, like Mary Kay said, just greedy taking care of that spot would solve a lot of Andrew Barry's problems. Okay. So here's how I would approach it, I guess. And maybe this is sort of what I, I guess I'm trying to figure out if this is how the Browns are thinking. So you've got greedy. You want to see what he can do. I would draft a guy either at 26 or in the second or third round. It's got to be a day one or two pick a guy that I think can come in and can play for me. As far as guys I'd look to sign, you know, Ellis, you mentioned some of those names. If you bring back Kevin Johnson, he kind of fits that mold. That's the, the guy I would almost expect them, uh, that type of player. So that's why Troy Hill, again, is such an intriguing option from the Rams. He's not real expensive. He's versatile. So you can bring him in, and if you need him to start on the outside, he can do it. If you need him to play in the slot, because maybe Greedy Williams or your rookie does the job, great. He'll move in and play in, play in the slot. And let's not forget Grant Delpit will play in the slot. Ronnie Harrison will play in the slot. They've got guys that'll play, you know, in that slot from the safety position as well. And then maybe you do bring back a Terrence Mitchell. I don't know that Terrence is going to go out there and command a bunch of money and you bring him back. He adds depth. Now he's not a guy that can play inside, but if you kind of have some versatile pieces that you can move around, you can just have Terrence Mitchell in the background to step up and help you if you need him. That, I guess that's kind of the conservative approach. How, how would you guys do it? Does that sound right? Would you do something different? Uh, you know what? I, I would re-sign Terrence Mitchell. I would re-sign Kevin Johnson. I would hope that, as you said, that, that Greedy can come back and be your starter. And then I would go and I would find one other really good, solid cornerback who does have outside starting ability. And I would find him either in this free agency class I would find him on somebody else's roster, as you guys have mentioned some names, or I would find him in the draft. And I agree with you, Dan. I think you'd, you'd have to get that guy fairly high. And if you know if you find a good rookie uh, that can do that for you, then you're saving yourself some money on the, on the cap, too, for a number of years. And a number of years in which you are going to have to be paying a bunch of other guys a lot of money coming up here soon. Uh, so from an economic standpoint, the draft would probably be a really – smart way to go and if you draft well that guy can start right I mean you can you can plug a a good second round pick although their second round pick is is lower maybe you package a couple of picks and move up into the second round and you get one of the better cornerbacks that you know can start for you right away and if you end up with too many starting cornerbacks it's a good problem to have and they will use them yeah I'd be all in on re-signing Terrence Mitchell uh 
bringing him back for familiarity reasons, a, a bit of a career year. Like he just was Mr. Consistent. It, you know, he, he wasn't a game changer, but just a reliable guy uh, finished first in, in defensive snaps, actually uh, only guy that play over a thousand snaps for this team. So I think that should be a priority. And then I've been on the record and written about how I'd be quite surprised if the Browns didn't leave the draft with at least two defensive backs drafted. And that probably means a corner and a safety. I, I just, that feels like a must a lot like Mary Kay saying you, it like edge rusher. You just can't have enough of these guys. Cause I mean, it's not that long ago, right. That Robert Jackson was starting a playoff game for this team. So it's like, look how far we've come. So to avoid a situation like that again, and I realized COVID played a large part in that, but regardless load up in that room and attack it both by retaining your own in-house talent and then adding a couple in the draft. Okay, there we go. The Brown, we just solved it. We just fixed the Browns cornerback problem. You're welcome, Andrew. Feel free to send us a commission if you'd like. If, uh, if you like our suggestions, we will take it. Uh, Mary Kay's interview with Grady Williams is going to come on after the break. Ellis and Mary Kay, thanks for the time. How are you doing? How are you feeling right now? I'm uh, getting back into motion, uh, you know, just, you know, a lot of workouts, a lot of rehab, uh, you know, just, you know, just keeping myself up, you know, staying ready. And where are you doing your rehab right now? Are you in Cleveland or where are you? Uh, so I just, I just flew to Cleveland last night and they just wanted to do like a, you know, just an update, see how it's going, but I'm doing my rehab in Shreveport. Did they give you some good news or a, a good report when you had a meeting yesterday? Uh, yeah, so I just went in today and, uh, you know, they was just like, it was a lot of, you know, it was a big progression. Like, you know, you're progressing very well, you know, and, uh, you know, we see it and um, they was just like, you know, just keep working and, you know, we, we can actually see like the progression of the shoulder, you know, coming along. So, you know, just like they was just like, you know, just keep going. Do they test the strength of the shoulder? I mean, like they like, do you lift weights or how do they tell that it's getting better? Uh, so it was certain spots like me just reaching across my body. I was, you know, didn't have control of that. Now I got control of it. So them just, you know, finding the weak spots that I was telling them, telling them about and uh, them going and, you know, just test it and, you know, just pull on and see, see, do I have strength right here? And which I, which everything I was, everything that was weak is, is now, you know, getting stronger. So that's kind of, that's kind of how they tested. And um, it's some kind of EMG test. Well, uh, you you put a, I guess it's like a needle into the muscle and see if the muscle firing. So I do that tomorrow to, you know, actually, you know, see if the muscle firing again. It, was that a big pick me up for you to hear that you've made a lot of progress? Oh, yeah. I mean, I like I told, like when I was talking to him, like during my rehab back at home, I was like, I feel like a lot of progression because like when I first was able to, you know, just to reach across my body, and, you know, and hold it by myself it was just like a big shock to me. Like I was happy. I was excited. So I can't wait to, you know, tell Carl Trim and, you know, just tell him about, you know, the progression and, you know, and how the shoulder moving. And so it, it was been, it's been a lot of excitement from here on out. So this was just in the past couple of weeks that you noticed this sort of big change. Mm-hmm. Like uh, mid-February, I say like mid-February, that's when I, you know, start feeling a big change in the shoulder. Like, cause I, I think I, I think I did my, so this is a six to twelve month injury, and um, mm-hmm. I'm months, and um, I feel like a lot of progression on the shoulder. So that's why that's why you know I was really excited. Wow! When did you find out that it was a six to twelve month injury? 
Uh, when I actually realized what type, what type of damage I did. Uh, so going into it, so when I first did it, I was doing like EMG tests like rapidly and it was just never firing. Like I wait two weeks, go wait another two weeks and go. And finally it was just like, you know, the, the nerve is part of the damage. So uh, that's when I realized like what nerve, what's the nerve called? And it was like, it was a, auxiliary nerve and I'm like what is that so I, you get on your phone you research it you see like how people heal from it and it was like it was like a six to 12 month healing process so I'm like it was kind of shocking because I'm like wow but uh yeah that's how I found out yeah so that was just I remember when you uh when you either tweeted that out or you put that on Instagram that it was the axillary nerve that was just like in December wasn't it that you found that mm -hmm. out no, so I found out. I found out earlier than that. I just released information late, so I I knew like when like almost beginning of October. Okay, I gotcha. Okay, so this was so much worse than you know than we all thought it was going to be when we first saw you walk off that field. I'll never forget you walking off. It was the same day that Grant got hurt, and then you go walking off, and it was like, oh no, um, right. This just turned out to be so much worse than you thought or any of us thought when we saw you walk off that day, right? Right, man. It was just like, it was just like the feeling that I had on my shoulder during that time. It was just like I never felt this before. So it was just like, was like I don't know. Like it was just a hard tingle in my shoulder. Well, throughout my whole arm, my whole arm was like just numb. I couldn't move it. So I, that's why if you see on the video, I was carrying it like this because I couldn't feel my arm. And um, so I get in the training room and they feel I, I I get the feeling back, but up here it was just it was just real sore and like it, it was like something like a stinger like I thought it was a stinger because it, it was just you know it was just real sore. So after like three days, four days, I'm like uh like it's still kind of you know numb and sore. So we waited for a like a week or uh, two weeks and it was still the same way. So. That's when like the test and everything else started coming along. Now that day, uh, what actually were you doing in practice when this happened? Uh, so we was doing we was doing like this tackling drill, like a sideline tackle drill, but it didn't supposed to get out of hand. It's supposed to been you know receivers run towards the uh, sideline, and you know, we just you know you no know, just wrap them up like form a tackling or whatever. And um, so it just got out of hand. Like, guys just started hitting, like, crazy, like, mad hard, all force. So uh, that was kind of what happened. You know, I went went and tried to hit a guy with all my force, and he, like, ducked his helmet into my shoulder and ran through my shoulder. And that's what happened. It was just you guys got were getting caught up in the moment, and it was just mm -hmm. one of those days where uh, everybody was trying to put their best foot forward, and, and right. you guys kind of just like it turned into a bit of a more spirited practice than it probably was going to be, right? Right. Will you ever forget that day? I mean, I'll never forget that day watching Grant go down and then watching you walk off. No, it's just it's stuck in my memory, man. It's just I never like I never missed a game in college and. So I missed the my first year I missed the first four first I missed four games then come back I'm like okay I'm ready to go I got my feet wet you know I'm it's it's my time man. like it's it's time and uh just come back and miss a whole year of football like uh like it was just it was bad man it was just stressful uh good thing I had my brother up here you know he kind of helped me 
you know, you know, not think as much about it and, you know, just help me get through like every day, like just motivate me just to keep going and, you know, just, you know, just like he can hype me up every day. Like, cause normally I just sit back, you know, just be stressed. Like on Sundays watching the games, it's just like excitement. Then it's just like after the game, it's just like, I want to, you know, be out there. Like I want to get that feel of them winning and, you know, changing the culture. Like I want to get that feel, but just sitting here, just watching, not being on an airplane, not being in the facility, not being around a team. Like it was just a lot of stress built upon me. So tell me about, about your brother being here, because I didn't realize that your brother uh, was here. So what's your brother's name? How old is he? And how did he come by uh, being here with you? Was it because of the injury or was he going to be here anyway? So this uh, so he supposed to came up just to visit. Well, his name first his name DeAndre Fuller. Uh, he about twenty. He about twenty five. Mm-hmm. And um, he just he just came up, you no, know, just to visit. And um, you know, just you know, he didn't have he didn't he only had like a weekend bag. So he <laughs> up to visit, and uh, so I come up. He come up here and visit, and literally like literally like the second day he up here, that's when the injury happened. So. So he just wanted to, so I guess he just wanted to just stay and, you know, see how the injury would go and, you know, just be here while while I'm going through, like, tests and stuff like that. So he was a big part in, like, helping me get to my appointments and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how he stayed. Like, he stayed with a weekend bag. Like I said, he had a weekend bag, and he stayed with the entire time, like, the whole six or seven, eight months. So he was here throughout the whole season? The whole season. Oh, aren't you lucky? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good <laughs> brother, man. That's a great brother. Yeah, um, yeah so I was going to ask you about that. I remember when we talked to you in October, you admitted how depressing it is to not be able to be part of the team, to not be getting on that plane. How, you know, so you've got your brother there, and thank goodness he helped you with all that. Mm-hmm. How else were you able to deal with this emotionally? Because it had to be just so hard. Uh, just finally just wrapping my mind around it. Just like, I'm not going to play this season. So, but I mean, the trainers, like trainers, the coaches, like players, like everybody was involved, you know, just texting me, like, you know, we, you know, you're going to shake back from it. Like, you know, just keep your head up, keep going. Even AB, you know, I hopped on a hopped on Zoom meetings with AB and he just, you know, telling me like how proud of how proud he am of, you know, my off the field work and, you know, how I'm attacking the rehab. So it was just like motivation. Like everybody just motivated me to keep going. And so uh that kind of, you know, just kept 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 me pushing. And you know, I see your darling pictures of Chloe on Instagram all the time. And she's right. so cute. And she I know she just turned four years old. So happy birthday to Chloe. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, was she up here with you uh, the whole entire time while you were going through this? Uh, no, nah, she was. Uh, so she started school. So it was kind of like trying to base off her schedule to get her up here. But she only I think club was up here from December. She was up here the whole December. Well, from November, from the Thanksgiving to all the way up. She was up here. So we, and, it was hard trying to, because I knew COVID and stuff was real. So I was just, you know, kind of afraid, you know, them getting on flights, coming up here, you know. So I said, just wait till I 
like Thanksgiving or something, then bring up here and we can spend Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and stuff like that together. So how much of a boost was that for you to be able to have Chloe here with you? And how does she kind of light up your life? Because I, I can tell just by looking at the pictures. Man, that's amazing, man. She's an energizer bunny. Like, uh, <laughs> so, so before she got up here, she actually asked me for a dog. She wanted a uh, little puppy. So, uh, so just surprising her with the little puppy was like amazing. Like she loved this dog so much. Like, it's like, Without this dog, it's no her. So I'm glad, like, that was one of the best things, like, for me to see, like, my daughter and my daughter interacting with this dog, and she loved it to death, and she dressing the dog up with her. So it's just like, it's just like, it was just like a lot of excitement to me and kind of, you know, took my mind. Like I said, it was taking my mind off, like, just, you know, thinking about the injury and rehab and stuff like that. So definitely, it's like, she, you know, she definitely been a big boost in, you know, my uh, process. Yeah, because I'm sure even you, you probably were FaceTiming with her every single day, uh, oh, yeah. even when you couldn't see her. So it just seems like, uh, I mean, everybody loves their children, but it just mm-hmm. seems like she uh, she's changed you in, in a lot of ways, hasn't she? Yeah, uh, most definitely. Um, you know, just, you know, taking on the parenthood road is everybody says kind of tough, but it's it's actually amazing, you know, just the you know, watch your kids smile and, you know, just be happy. And, you know, you just give them a lot of love and, you know, a lot of love and support. So it always been my thing. You know, once I have a kid that, you know, I, it's no, it's never about me anymore. You know, everything I do is about, you know, the reposition, reputation of Chloe and, you know, my family. So I always, you know, before I do anything, I think about them first and, you know, just I always keep them, you know, ahead and, you know, I always keep them in the loop of what's going on. And just the the knowledge that you have her knowing mm-hmm. that, I mean, you've got to come back, right? I mean, you have right. to come back strong and you have to make a go of this. You have to make a career of this because right. of her, right? Right. This is, this is what I want her to experience, like the, you know, the NFL life, you know, how, how you know, it, it's exciting. Like we winning, everybody excited. We got, you know, we changing the culture, so you are part of this. So you are part of changing the culture. So when, whenever we have team gatherings, you can always remember like my dad always had me at the team gathering. He always sometimes bring me into me, uh, like things like that. Like that's the things I want her to remember from my career. And then she can later, you know, tell her kids and, you know, just things like that. Now I, I could be wrong about this, but do you have another one on the way? Yeah. Oh, tell me about that. Uh, yeah, so I just had I just I just found out that I'm having a little boy. I found out February 13th. So we had a gender reveal and you know I was kind of afraid to have another girl. I wanted a boy really bad and you know, surprised, thank God, you know, that I had a boy. And it's a, it's amazing, man. I've been, you know, online shopping and you know, just rubbing the belly a lot. Uh, just, you know, my girl, I make sure she, you know, taking her vitamins and, you know, getting all, getting all the good nutrients that my son needs. So, you know, we just been, you know, just happy and excited. So, wow. So you're going to have a son. That is awesome. Congratulations mm-hmm. to you guys. And that is even more motivation, right? For you to get yeah. in that weight room and get this shoulder back, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That's why I wake up every morning you know, do me a lot of cardio and go to rehab and work out and, you know, just get myself back ready. And uh, like I said, it's, 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 it's just an everyday grind now. 
Now, throughout this whole time, uh, as I was covering, you know, you trying to come back and everything, occasionally I would get, people would send me questions or I would see something on the internet where they were questioning, you know, whether or not you really wanted to play football, questioning your desire. I mean, were you aware of some of those things that were kind of floating around out there? Yeah, it was kind of, that was kind of like one of the things that was messing with me too, like the fans just, like it's hard. Like I know it's like he he got he got nerve damage in his shoulder, and people don't understand what really what nerve damage is. Like it's it's a serious matter for your health, and you know just like nerves nerves is like weird. Like they work on their own time, so you just never know. So it was hard to me trying to explain like what what can I possibly like put out to let them know like how serious the injury is but it was hard for me to do it so so uh so I was gonna post a picture of like my shoulder before and after but I, I didn't post it yet so I just sent it to you and let you see like the before and after other shoulders so you can actually see like wow like when the nerve if a nerve damage and it's like turn off turn off turn off like the top of your shoulder your body so my body is forced to like retract this way to support this muscle yeah so nerves are weird like my body is my body is retracting this way to support this muscle because the nerve the nerve got the muscle turned off Mm, so that's so that's a lot of rehab going on so I gotta make sure my body stay aligned I gotta make sure this because like my shoulder can hunch over like this if it want to so I gotta keep I gotta stay straight up like it's a lot it's a lot going on when you're dealing with nerve damage Wow. And people, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't believe that uh, people questioned you like that. I mean, that had to, uh, I mean, you're such a positive guy and you've got right. a great outlook and a great attitude. And I've known that from the very first time I've ever talked to you, but how hard was it to, to have people coming at you like that? Oh, it was, it was very hard, man. Just, no, just putting in, like I, like I put in a lot of work, you know, for a year or two, like I wanted I wanted to be like the best of the best. So I put in a lot of work, you know, just to just to not play this season. Like it was, it was like, like, wow, like, damn, like I actually miss a whole year and people thinking it's a fake. Like it's not, it's not a fake. I don't, I don't fake injuries. I, you know, it's just never been that type of, I've never been that type of person. I love the game of football and I, I respect, you know, I love the game of football and I respect it so well that, how could I fake an injury like this? So it was just like, like I said, it was just hard trying to put it out to the fans, like how serious the injury was. That's what made me tweet. Cause I wasn't going to tell nobody. That was made me tweet like oxalary nerve, like just do the research on it. And you will see like the, the, the time frame and the span. The, Cause me, like me personally, I didn't know. I like, I didn't know nerves were that serious until I just had the injury. So have you talked to anybody else in the NFL or from LSU or anywhere else that has experienced something quite like this? Uh yeah. So my uh I had I have a nephew that plays for UNLV and he like tore his leg up like in high school really bad. And he was telling me just like, like it's gonna come back. Like it, it's it's no doubt it's gonna come back. He was just like, uh, you know, because his leg, something with his leg, it was just like the nerve. His nerve, his leg was like my shoulder. Like the nerve was taking forever to come back. He was like, well, once it come back, you'll get like a hot, a hot sting in your shoulder and like things like this. So I actually like talked to my nephew who actually went through injuries like such such injuries with nerves. 
And did you also draw any inspiration from like maybe even a different kind of injury, sort, sort of like Alex Smith coming back from, you know, what he came back from to watch that last year? Was that inspirational for you? It was very, very inspirational, man. Just watching, like, like, like they said, his, his injury was career ending. Like people's like, is he going to come back or not? So me just watching him, his, like his process and what he did. And you no, know, like, like I said, he had his family supporting him. So like, as long as you got that support, man, you're going to always just, you know, just keep going, keep going. So I just watched it. That. that was like the main part about it, you know, just watching the support he had and, you know, them building him up, not letting him give up. So that was kind of one of the great things that I caught that I seen from him. And you had Grant Delpit, right? I mean, so, you and Grant together. Tell me about that. How weird was it when you walked off the field that day? Grant was there in the uh, probably right there in the training room too, going through his injury. Could you even believe it that on on this fateful day, both of you guys suffered these season-ending injuries? Yeah. So I so when I leave the field and I go and I'm thinking Grant like sprained his ankle, nothing serious. And uh, so when I get into the when I get into the uh, the training room, I see a t- he got a, he laid back with a towel over his face. Like I see, I see a little tears. So I'm like, wow, I'm gonna be really, really serious. So I go there and tell my like, what, like what happened? He didn't want to tell me. He just kept crying. I'm like, what happened? I'm like man, I think I tore my Achilles. I'm like, whoa. So it was just like a whoa to me. Like I'm like, wow, both of us same day. Like wow. Me, I'm thinking I'm coming back. Like, I'm, I don't have that mindset. That I'm out for you. I'm coming back. This is just a stinger. I'll be back out of practice tomorrow. I ain't tripping. I need to, you know, just really sit here and support Grant. So I really want to, you know, focus on my shoulder. I had ice around it, but I'm really sitting there talking to Grant, telling him, like, man, you know, man, I'm, I'm just really sitting there supporting him, letting him know, like, man, you'll be back, man. It ain't no thing. Like, you know, you just sometimes, sometimes this game, you have to take time off and, you know, just regroup and, you know, come back better than better than it was before. So I'm just sitting there, like, just giving him a lot of motivational speeches, you know, just keep him standing in his ear, asking did he talk to his mom, things like that. And uh, I think, like, the next day he came in, he was, you know, he was he was less – he wasn't he went as, like, tearful and down on himself from me talking to him and letting him know, like, you know, it, it happens, man. It's a game of football. It happens, and, so, yeah, and then we went to rehab together, like me and him rehabbing at the same time. So it definitely built a bond so strong. Like, he know what we we know what we put in, like, during this rehab process and, you know, just talking to each other, motivating each other. And, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was a big thing, you know, just to be by his side and, you know, have him by my side. And, you know, we just grow. We just keep growing. Yeah. I mean, did you guys kind of live near each other, too? I mean, were you able to to see each other outside of rehab as well? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, you know, he came, he come over and, you know, watch games. I went over to his house and, you know, sat down and, you know, just chilled and, you know, just had a little brother bun. Yeah. So mm-hmm. even though what you both had to go through and sitting out this season was, you know, so emotionally and, and physically painful, aren't you so glad that you had each other to get through it? Man, yes, it, it was it was just like. Like why it it was like a question like why us like why us and uh, you know we just we just you know didn't think about it you know just did all the work we needed to do to get back out there so we just like I said we grinded you know all we grinded each and every day he's about to about like we was getting ready for the game and 
you know, that's kind of how we, that's kind of our mindset and how we approach the, uh, the rehab. And did you guys talk constantly about, Hey, when we get back together, you know, this is going to be so great and, you know, we're going to be better than ever and stronger than ever. Was, was there that kind of talk going on? Uh, you know, we had those talks. Uh, it was just like more of just like, uh, yeah, some, some, some similar. It just, we just talking more about just like the LSU and, you know, we ain't really just, you know, just look, we ain't just really just push it to the future. We just, you know, kind of maintain what we was, and, you know, just kept motivating each other day by day instead of just, you know, just rushing, you know, and talking about the future. So. And then another LSU tiger goes down, right? Yeah. In, uh, in Odell. Could you even believe that? Nah, I'm watching the game. I'm like, wow. Like what? Like like what's going on? Like is this not the LSU LSU guy season? Or like I'm like wow. It's just like it's just like a wow, like a big wow. Like how how is this happening? That was unbelievable. So were you guys? Uh, did you you know you welcome Odell into the we're gonna get each other through this club? Yeah, man. We talked to him, but uh, you know Odell like he like he one of those top tier guys. So you know he have his. Um, you know, like people know who give him his treatment and things like that. So we we didn't really see him as much yeah. so as me and Grant, you know, grinded out in the inside the facility. Yeah, a couple mm-hmm. times I when I was coming out to uh to watch practice, I would see you going into the facility, you know, for your treatment and all that kind of stuff and just really hoping and wishing that this was going to come along for you as fast right. as possible. Tell me about uh, you know, where where do you go from here and what is your outlook for the off season what do you think you'll be able to do uh just in terms of football activity i mean are you what kind of rehab are, are you doing right now uh right now just uh same rehab still strengthening the shoulder well i'm strengthening the muscles around the injury so once the injury kicked back in you know i'd be full i'd be ready to go but uh uh football activities i probably uh, I just want to say I sh- I want to be back for the OTAs and you know things like that and you know participate. But uh, so uh, what else? Mm, the future for me, uh, you know, just the off season, just like I just keep keep grinding, stays keep my head level, keep a level head, and um, you know just keep pushing it and uh, you know just stay focused and you know uh, just you know the injury. Like I said, the injury. Like I'm at. Me, I feel like I'm at about 60% right now. So uh, that's a that's a great progression coming from, you know, when I left from Cleveland coming back. That's I feel like I'm about, about at about 60%. So that's a great progression. And uh, just, you know, just keep grinding it out and, you know, stay focused and, you know, do what I do. And, you know, as long as I'm, long as I'm able to play this season, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's great. And, and the last time we talked to Andrew Barry, mm-hmm. uh, he said he was completely counting on, both you and Grant to, to come back and, and be the players that you were in 2021. So is that your expectation that you're going to come back and you're going to go back into your starting role and be the, the greedy that we know? Yes, ma'am. I'm going to be the, be the better greedy. I took it <laughs> off to give me time, you know, just to have more knowledge of the game and, you know, just sit down and, you know, just, like I said, watching the TV, just calling out the coverage, reading the route, things like that, you know, that gave me an upper hand. So it went all bad. You know, I was sitting down, you know, just taking notes and, you know, doing what I do, you know, getting ready for 2021 and 
you know, shock the world. And so you didn't let these few fans that that questioned what was going on with you, you didn't let that take away from how you know most fans feel about you, right? Nah, man. I, you know, some I understand social media. Some people just, you know, just don't have it at the top of their head. So, you know, those people who was commenting bad and negative things, I just, you know, blocked them off my account and, you know, just kept the positive. I, I, like I told them, I only want positivity. I don't need, you know, no negativity. Like, you like like you said, like people coming like like the injury fake and you know it kind of get eats me up because I can't really explain like what the injury is to them. So I was just blocking them and you know, just like I said, you know, whoever comes with something negative, you know, I just blocked them and you know kept going. Like even when I'm tweeting about the game and you know, just having fun on social media about the game, uh people people still come in negative things. So I was just like blocking them every time just to keep myself, you know, joyful and, you know, just being happy. So in terms of like if there's a mandatory mini camp in June, do you think you'll mm-hmm. be able to participate in that? Yeah, I should be. I should be ready. Uh, it's just going to be limited things. I, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't do like, yeah, I, I'd probably be limited, but I mean, I should be ready to get back out there, you know, you know, do what I do. I can, I'm, I should be able to do some some physical contact it's just like I said it'd probably be limited like it was told like the nerve don't always heal 100% like it ain't it will never get back to 100% it'll get like about the what 85 90 so if you know if you can't do too much during the the mini camp then at least you kind of maybe have your sights set on training camp in August and getting to be back out there and then you know does Grant feel he'll be back out there for training camp too and you guys kind of talk about that a little bit uh no I just actually I just uh talked to Grant today and you know he moving very well uh you know he up tempo moving around very well and you know like he's ready to go good good for you guys so hopefully for the Browns and for the Browns fans Odell will be back you'll be back Grant will be back right yes ma'am and hey I forgot to ask you so what are you going to name this little boy that's coming uh, I haven't released the name yet I'm still kind of debating. Uh, he would not be a junior because I want him to be better than me and, you know, have his own tradition or what he do. And, you know, so I, I definitely want him to be better than me. So he would not be a junior for sure. And when, when is he due? July uh, 10th. So I spent a couple of days with him and I'm back out getting, getting work in. Well, that's great. All kinds of great things will be happening for you all at once. Right. Right. Uh, you know, Greedy, let me just ask you this. I mean, is there anything else I, I you know, I kind of feel bad for you that you haven't been able to really explain how hard this has been for you to everyone. So, I mean, is there anything else that you would like for people to know about what you've been through since this happened? Uh, just like, like if you're dealing with some nerve damage, man, just take it real serious. And uh, like, there's nothing to joke about. Like, this is your life. Like, like I was told, like if I damage it again, like it'll be for life. Like hearing things like that make you, you know, take more serious into like what's going on with yourself. So uh, I, that's why, that's why it was just hard for me just to, you know, just explain because when they, because I wanted to get back out there, I'm letting them know, like you feel me, I could tackle with my left shoulder. They was just like, but you still got to reach above your head, grab, you know. It was just like a lot of stuff they was telling me just to. You know, tell me I can't play, basically. So uh, just basically just, man, just take your health serious and, you know, uh, 
things like this, man, it's just it's just difficult to deal with. And you know, if another player had his injury, you know, just support them and understand like if a player say it didn't with nerve them, you know, just understand how difficult it is for them, you know, and how mir- how miserable it could be for them, and you know, just support them, man. Don't 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 give nobody no negative feedback when they you know hurting and you know and just down down downside it. So that's that's kind of just my little sermon, you know, to the fans. You know, just always you know be supportive of the players, man, and you know don't ever you know think a player just taking you no know, time off, man. Just you know just give them a lot of support because you know we actually do read like the comments and things like that, you know, and uh, so sometimes, you know, it can get under your skin and, you know, get your outburst, but yeah. And so do you come back to the game? Will you get back out there with sort of a renewed grab, renewed oh. hunger and speed? You'll be so incredibly grateful just to be out on that field, won't you? Yes, ma'am. Man, I just imagine running on the field, you know, just – I probably just jump in the stands and shake hands and, you know, just let everybody know I'm back and, you know, back and I'm better. And how exciting was it for you, even though you couldn't be out there, to watch the Browns finally get to the playoffs, win a playoff game? I mean, what was what was going through your head when you were watching the Steelers game? Man, I was so excited. Like, I couldn't stop. Like, I was like the – I can say I have biggest – like, I was one of the biggest – Biggest fans ever. Like, all I can do is just tweet, go live on Instagram. You no, know, just enjoy the moment like I'm there. Like, I, I was just enjoying the moment like I was there, and it was exciting. It was just very exciting. Yeah. They broke the curse. You know, it was it was just a lot going on, man. I was so happy. And, uh, you know, you know, just thankful for Kevin Stefanski and his stuff and, you know, how they changed the culture of him. You thought they were going to win that Chiefs game, didn't you? Oh, yeah, we had it. You know, it's just a, you know, he made a great call. You know, wasn't nobody expecting, you know, a quick out on fourth and, you know, one. But even even, even me, I thought, you know, they're going to get us the ball back. You know, we were going to go down and, you know, be in that division game. Well, you'll get them next year, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. We got them on schedule this, this year, I think. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay, well, Greedy, thank you so much for being willing to do this today. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope that fans really get to see uh, everything that you've been through since the last right. year and sort of understand understand everything a little bit better. Yes, ma'am. Thank. You. Okay. All right. You take care. Okay. All you right. Too. Thanks a lot. 